0: So, I was thinking back as I uh, was preparing for this message today. um, I'm going to use a metaphor of clothing in the message. And so, the catchy little name, Dress for Success, crossed my mind, and it made me laugh because when I was in my 20s and I left the Army, one of the saddest things about leaving the Army is you have to start thinking about what to wear in the morning. When you're in the Army, you don't have to do that. And so, Bruce and I loaded in a car and we went off to Richmond, Virginia to a Joseph Banks store back in the day when Joseph Banks carried a clothing line for women, and I found the oldest lady I could find in the store, and I walked up to her and said, you have to teach me how to dress. I'm getting out of the army. And I left there with two or three suits. Remember how it was in the 80s, ladies, for those of you who are old enough? We wore the little suits with the lapels, and we had little ties, at the neck, and they were skirt suits, and they were of very modest length. But my first job was in the Pentagon as a civilian, and so I was dressed for success in this little suit and this little tie and the big 80s hair and all that, and on my feet, I had tennis shoes because there were 17 miles of corridors in the Pentagon, and that's what we needed to do to dress for success. But today, we're going to talk about a different kind of clothing, and we're going to talk about a different kind of success, the kind that comes from living into the values that we've been learning here the last six weeks as a church. Pastor Bob has been bringing messages about things that are important to our lives as a corporate body in the church, but also as individuals. He taught about how we are to love God and others, Because we were loved first and we're to love the way Jesus loved, which was very self-sacrificially. He talked, as he mentioned earlier, about generosity being the heart of God and said, we get to give. You can actually take that two ways. We get, we receive, we get in order to be able to share what we receive with others, especially the blessing of the love and salvation offered by Jesus Christ. But you could also... Here that we get to give as we are allowed to give we are privileged to be called to ministry this is something god could do alone he doesn't really need our help but he wants us to be in ministry with him because as we minister to the world we also grow in grace in our own discipleship we learned about how we're better together No matter how much the world preaches that we should be divided and Democrats and Republicans and and progressives and liberals and conservatives and this and that, you know, the world screams divide, 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 but we're better together because Jesus said so. And we also talked about how we will do anything. We will go to every length and do whatever it takes to share the love of Jesus with people. That was the last value Pastor Bob preached about. But today I'd like to focus on the value of authenticity, probably because it's the one I struggle with the most. It's hard to be authentic when you have a craving to please people, and I'm a people pleaser. It's the truth. And the fact of the matter is we can't be authentically like Jesus, and we can't live out what Jesus taught us if we worry about pleasing the people, the principalities, and the governments of the world. We simply can't. So today, I'm gonna continue where Pastor Bob left off in the second message of the series when he talked about authenticity using the metaphor of the fruit of the spirit, something that uh, Paul wrote about, how that if we genuinely demonstrate Christ's character, we should demonstrate Hope and peace and joy and love and generosity and patience. There's a good one, patience. Um, But Paul wrote about how we can be like Jesus using a different metaphor as well. And it was the metaphor of clothing. And we find um, we, we we just baptized a sweet baby. And Pastor Bob mentioned how he was getting new clothes. He was being clothed in his baptism You know, in in the royal, regal robe of Jesus. And when I was um, in the Holy Land, in fact, and we remembered our baptism, they gave us these white, long t-shirt gowns to wear to go into the Jordan to be immersed and come out, symbolizing the the character of Christ that we were recommitting ourselves to put on. So I'd like to read um, for you this morning from Paul's um, letter to the Colossians. This is in uh, chapter 3, and this is what it says. But now you must also rid yourselves of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other, since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge and the image of its creator. Here there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you, and over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace. And be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. So that's what the clothing looks like. The royal robe of Jesus means clothing ourselves with kindness and compassion and love and forgiveness. But when we put on new clothes, we don't normally put them on over old dirty clothes, do we? We normally bathe, come out of the water clean, and then put on clean new clothes. And Paul reminds us of this, that we have to get rid of the dirty laundry. And too often today, in churches all over the world, all over America, the dirty laundry is on blatant, obvious display. Anger, malice, slander, bad-mouthing people who are different than us, rage. We know that this happens in church because we're humans, we're fallen, And sometimes, we got to hang on to our own agendas, our own ways, and that fallen humanity is on display, like dirty laundry. But the message today is for us to seek to be authentic as Jesus was authentic by throwing away the dirty laundry and by really putting on those new clothes that we receive by virtue Of the baptism like the one we celebrated today. You know Jesus, um, Jesus through his life and his ministry, through his word and his preaching and teaching and his actions, really demonstrated for us and gave us an example of what the character of Christ is all about. We read about it in the Bible but let me tell you when you're walking along the shores of the Sea of Galilee, or you're crossing the sea in a boat, or you're rising out of the Jordan River, or you're gazing across the Mount of Olives toward Golgotha, the place of the skull where Jesus was crucified. The words on the page come to life, and you begin to realize just how short you fall. Now we Wesleyans, we're part of a church that started from a guy named John Wesley, We believe in this ongoing process of growing in grace. We call it sanctification. We realize that we have a a moment in time when we are saved by our faith through God's grace. We call it being justified. But sanctification asks of something different. We have to participate in that process We can't save ourselves, only Jesus can do that, but if we don't cooperate with the Holy Spirit as the Holy Spirit works within us to transform our hearts, to transform us into the likeness of Jesus, it's not going to happen. And so my call today is a call for authenticity based on each and every one of us trying to be a little bit more like Jesus every day. And what I'd like to do this morning for the rest of our time together is share some uh, photos up on the screen of some places that I visited and that I saw in the Holy Land and to tie those places to scriptures, to help bring those scriptures to life because each of the places and each of the scriptures really illuminates for us some of the characteristics that Jesus demonstrated that we too should demonstrate if we are to be authentic and to live into what Jesus taught us. The first of those characteristics was the characteristics of his presence. Now, when we began uh, in the early days of the trip, we visited a little town on the northwest shore of the Sea of Galilee called Capernaum. And if you're a Bible reader, you know that Capernaum, the area around it, is a place where Jesus taught. In fact, we were able to stand on the very slab of the synagogue in Capernaum. It was a little town. There wasn't more than one. If Jesus was a teacher in the synagogue, he stood on that slab and read from the scrolls and taught people. And we were able to stand there. But when Jesus got done ministering in Capernaum, there was a point in time where he looked at his disciples and he said, let's go over to the other side. Now, the other side of the Sea of Galilee, if you go from the northwest to the southeast, crosses over into a land that was occupied by people called the Gerasenes. It's still called the Gerasene region. It is not in Israel. It was not populated by Jewish people who would have followed Jesus as the Messiah, who would have practiced the dietary laws of the Jews. Jesus grabbed his disciples, crossed a big body of water in a boat that wasn't nearly as big or with engines like the one you see on that screen, and he crossed this big body of water. Along the way, he took a nap, Woke up to a storm, calmed the seas. He was busy all the time in ministry. But when they crossed to the other side, a man named Legion ran up to Jesus and fell at his feet. It's the story of the man who was buried in the tombs. And we know that um, the people of his town tried to chain him in the tombs because he was possessed by a demonic spirit. And the demonic spirits cried out to Jesus and said, Why do you you come here to torture us, Jesus? And he cast the spirit out of this man, and the spirits went into a herd of pigs that was nearby and ran down into the Sea of Galilee and drowned. So what does this teach us? First of all, Jesus had a pretty good in Capernaum. The people loved him there. They respected him there. They came to him for healing. They trusted that he could help. But he walked outside the walls of the synagogue and crossed a lake to a place where there were strangers who were different from people who were acceptable to save a man named Legion. And then he made Legion stay right there to tell his people what Jesus had done. Jesus didn't. Just do church inside the walls, and neither can we. Sometimes we have to remember to get outside the walls of the church, to cross the lake, and to find those who need to know Jesus. The second characteristic of our Lord that cropped up over and over again as we traveled around the Holy Land was the character of compassion that He had for everyone. He fed hungry people, he healed the bleeding woman, he healed Jairus's daughter, he healed the leper who other people wouldn't go near, he healed the blind men, people who were physically blind but also people who were just spiritually blind, he healed them all. Wherever he went, this is what the scripture tells us, wherever he went into villages, towns, or countryside, they placed the sick in the marketplaces. They begged him to let them touch even the edge of his cloak, and all who touched him were healed. If you look at the pictures up on the screen, the one in the center bottom is actually a picture I took of a painting that's on a wall at a church in a place called Magdala. Magdala as in Magdalene it is the hometown of Mary Magdalene. We know that Jesus made her well. But on this wall of this church, there is an enormous portrait of Jesus' foot and the hem of his robe and a hand reaching for that robe. Remember the bleeding woman? She reached and touched the hem of his robe and she was healed. You know, We might not be able to physically have Jesus stand in front of us today with a robe on that we can touch, but I promise you, if you pray in the morning, Jesus, I need to touch the hem of your royal robe today. I need your power because I just don't have what it takes to do what I need to do today. Jesus will answer because he had a heart of compassion. And he also demonstrated his heart of compassion by feeding hungry people. He fed the spiritually hungry, but he also fed people whose bellies were hungry. We remember this story. He was out on a hillside. It might have been like the hillside um, that you see there in the lower left. The evening was falling, and the disciples were starting to fuss. They were in fussy mode that day. They said, you know, Lord, you need to send these people home. We're out here in this remote area. And there's a lot of remote areas around the Sea of Galilee. And... They said you know these we don't have enough food you need to send them so they can buy food and so that they can eat and jesus looked at them and said no you feed them you feed them and like first class disciples what did they do they started talking about money what do you mean we feed them oh jesus it'll take half the money we have in our purse to buy enough food for all these people Where are we supposed to find this food, Jesus? Oh, Jesus, we can't. Oh, Jesus, we won't. Oh, Jesus, the logistics. So what did Jesus do? He thanked the Father and trusted the Father's provision. He broke a few loaves, a few fishes, and people were fed. And one of the things I love about St. Paul is that we believe in feeding people, too. We feed thousands of people at Open Arms every year. We feed middle school kids through a Sack. We feed the homeless on Sunday afternoon. We do Thanksgiving baskets. And I'm here to ask you today, don't wait another day. Sign up to help us feed people on March 8th. We are going to prepare 25,000 highly nutritioned protein meals of beans and rice in our gymnasium, and we are going to share those in our community, because Jesus' voice is still thundering from heaven, you feed them. So, I know St. Paul likes to come to the party late, make it exciting about how we show up for things, whether it's Jubilee or whatever, please let us know that you're going to stay after worship next, not next Sunday, but the Sunday after, and help Carry out Jesus' command to you feed them. Jesus also healed people in the synagogue. He did it in a place like Bethesda. You see the sign there. There's a gate of the original temple from the original temple period called the sheep's gate. There's steep hills there, and there were bathing pools there, and the disabled used to get in those pools believing they would heal. And a man. Met Jesus there one day, the paralytic, and Jesus healed him. Because that's what Jesus did wherever he went. He had heart of compassion. The next, there's two, there's two more characteristics of Jesus I want to talk about. And they go pretty fast. And I'll warn you right now, you all know I'm a crier. It's that Italian gene I got from my mama. This, these two characteristics came to life for me. In the Holy Land. The first was Christ's character of humility. And where it came clear to me was in a place called the Garden of Gethsemane. If you look at the picture on the upper left, that's the Mount of Olives. Jesus left after he had the Last Supper with his disciple. They crossed the Kidron Valley. They went to the Mount of Olives. That's where the Garden of Gethsemane is. The olive tree in the center is believed to be 2,000 years old. Olive trees live to be very, very... They're ancient trees. It's quite likely that tree was there when Jesus was there. They make lots of things out of olive wood in the Holy Land. But there's nothing quite like gazing out into that Garden of Gethsemane on the lower right, which is at the foot of the Mount of Olives, and imagining Jesus teaching us what it means to say, thy will be done, and meaning it. We say those words lightly. We recite the Lord's Prayer, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. But really, very often, what we're likely to do is say, God, please bless my plan. God, my will be done, would you bless it, please? Friends, when you think of Jesus with his sleeping disciples nearby, praying to the Father, knowing how he was going to suffer, and yet in his prayer saying, thy will be done, you have a picture of the kind of humility that most of us, including myself, can't even begin to grasp. That's humility and love and trust for the Father. The last characteristic I'd like to share with you is the one of self-sacrifice. One of the last evenings we were in Jerusalem, well, the second to the last day in Jerusalem, we traveled through the streets of the old holy city. The picture in the middle is a a narrow roadway uh, along the Via Dolorosa. If you look at the picture on the lower right, there's various stations of the cross that commemorate different moments of Christ's journey to the cross. The picture on the upper left is a hole through which Jesus was dropped on the night he was arrested when he was jailed in the home of the high priest, Caiaphas. There was a dungeon in the basement of that house, and that house is preserved, and 40 of us who'd been ordained gathered in that little confined space. There's a stairway leading down to it now, but there wasn't in the old days. If you can imagine what Jesus went through from the dungeon to the Via Dolorosa to Golgotha, the depths of his love for you and for me become apparent in a way that, if you allow it to, will change you forever. Jesus thought that you and I were worth going to the cross for. We often don't think that about ourselves. He thought it was worth coming to earth, this God-man, to show us what it meant to be compassionate, to leave the walls of the synagogue and go where people needed us, to feed hungry people, To say, thy will be done and meet it. And ultimately, to give our all. The further God's kingdom on earth, it will be. So it could be like heaven. So heaven and earth can collide in one place. And our work is not done. So this morning, let me just end by saying, thank you for the time you allowed me to go to the Holy Land. I will never be the same. If you have an opportunity to take that trip next year with Pastor Bob and Patty, go. You will never be the same. But just as importantly, make a decision today to take that royal robe of Jesus Christ, to throw away the dirty laundry, and to become authentically Christ-like as he calls us to be. We have to take up our crosses to do that. It's not an easy call to answer, but it's not just a call for pastors. It's a call for all of us. We are part of a ministry of all believers, and I implore you today, in the name of Jesus Christ, take the values that we are claiming here as a church, to love, to be generous, to be authentic, to belong, To share the good news. Make them part of your everyday life because if you do that, you will be an authentic disciple. And the world will be different because of it.